Last Sunday we had Easter, and it was a glorious day to, to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and in a certain sense, it wasn't a whole lot different, I hope, than most Sundays, because my desire is that we would celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ every Sunday. It's why we meet on Sunday. And as we think about uh, what do we do with this, this message that we have received of Jesus Christ risen again. Jesus Christ first died on the cross for our sins. Well, for the next couple of weeks, I want us to, to look at the question of being witnesses. And if we go back and think of uh, that first Sunday morning when the disciples were all hiding away and the women went to the tomb, the very first, and, and you might even see this written sometimes, that the apostle to the apostles, the word apostle means a sent one, so the first apostle to the apostles was Mary Magdalene. She was the one that went with the first news, Jesus is risen. And it's interesting, I went looking for artwork and I could find some very old Byzantine type stuff, some, some stuff from the eastern side of the church. A lot of the western art has Mary with Jesus. Very few of them show this scene, which is, Mary telling the disciples. I think it's important for us to remember that the disciples even had to be told by an eyewitness who had seen Jesus, I have seen him. She, she didn't give them a whole lot of more information. She just told them what she had experienced, what she had seen. She was a witness to his resurrection. And of course, the disciples Later on, Jesus came that very night into the, the room that they were in, and then a week later, he came again. And they also were witnesses to what Jesus had done, that they had seen him, that they knew he was resurrected. What I want to look at today is God's, or, you know, he is God, but Jesus' instructions for us to be witnesses on his behalf. If you turn with me to the, go uh, the gospel, the, the book of Acts, they come in threes. I'm going to misspeak one more time. There we go. I misspoke already. Oh, I'm done. I'll be perfect from here on out. If you'll turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 1. We're going to look at just a few verses in this book, but, but they're, they're powerful verses for the church. They go right along with the end of Matthew 28 where he gives us the, the, the great commission to go into the world, to make disciples, to baptize them, to teach them. This is along the same lines. In Acts chapter 1, verse 6 through 9, uh, this is the beginning. In verse 6, when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by His own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be My witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. And after He had said these things, He was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received Him out of their sight. One of the things that I like to do around Easter time is, is to watch uh, movies about the resurrection. You know, 
We, we own the robe. It's a cheesy older movie, but I love it. It's got some great lines, and it's got Richard Burton and Gene Simmons. I won't sin by lifting up my eyebrows or anything, but she's a wonderful actress. And her character in this movie, ah, what a great character. This year, though, because I've watched The Robe too much, and I was told, let's not watch The Robe this year, we watched a movie called Risen. It's about a Roman tribune who is looking for the body of Jesus because the, the, the claim is that he has been risen. And so he's trying to find the corpse so he can prove, no, he's not. And, of course, he finds the body of Jesus. And the body of Jesus is living and breathing, and it shakes him to his core. The thing that got me in this movie more than that I've never really experienced was this moment when Jesus left his disciples. Think about it. Over the course of roughly a little bit longer than a month, about 40 days, they experienced his, if we go to two months, you get the triumphal entry and everything. In a two-month period of time, they, they walk, walked into Jerusalem to great fanfare. A week later, he was crucified. Three days later, he rose again. And then 40 days later, they lost him forever. Physically, I mean. Personally. He told them in John, it was good is for your benefit that I go away. But just think, for three years, they'd walked with him. They, they loved him and they just got him back. And he was, he was telling them things. And what I loved about this movie, Risen, is that the disciples really don't understand. At one point, Peter, uh, Simon says, well, he wants us to hang around in Jerusalem until we get some kind of a spirit. You know, and, and it's just that idea that we, we look at it as, you know, from, from, from history and, and everything seems so clear. But just think of what these guys were going through. They had just thought he was gone and, and, and they, were, you know, they were terrified. The Romans were going to come for him. The, the Jewish leaders were going to come for him. And then he shows up. And the joy they must have felt of seeing him. And yet the, the struggle and he disappears and where is he next? And I think that's him, but I don't quite recognize him. No, that is him. And so they're excited. They think, are you, are you going to restore the kingdom now? Is this it? Are we finally going to have the victory we've been wanting as Jewish people? And instead, he leaves them. He tells them, you need to wait in Jerusalem. And, and instead, of, instead of what you expect, the, the restoration of the kingdom today... He tells them, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. And then, and then he left them. And for the first time, I felt physically and emotionally just what that must have been like. You know, the, the, the love for Jesus. He had just restored Simon. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he was gone. And they had to figure out how to live. They had to figure out how to continue the ministry he had given them. Now, ten days later, the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And we see a dramatic change in their lives and how they live. But for that moment, 
And just think, all the times when Peter goes to, is thrown into jail, when he goes to Cornelius' house, all their different journeys, you know, you, just think. All their thoughts of Jesus. And how many times they must have thought, boy, I wish he was here with me right now, in the flesh. Now, he was always with them. He, he's told them, I will never depart from you. I'll never leave you. But we all know that the flesh is a lot more comforting to us than the Spirit, isn't it? We can feel flesh. It's nice to have the person next to us. And for the first time, I really kind of got a taste of maybe what they were feeling when he left them. What I love here and, and, and what, what I saw in that movie too is just this idea of, of not just being witnesses. Before he says, you shall be my witnesses, what did he tell them? You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You know, in that moment at that time, they were unsure. They didn't know what was happening because the Holy Spirit hadn't come upon them. They had to wait 10 days after that for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. And in that time, they just had to wait. They had to wonder, what's it going to be like? What's going to happen? But He gave them power. And notice the power. I think sometimes we look at the Holy Spirit in our lives and we think that the Holy Spirit is in our lives to help us to live better. And it's true. That the Holy Spirit is in our lives to help us, to guide us in, in paths of righteousness and to stay away from sin. And it's true. But do we remember the fact that the Holy Spirit has empowered us so that we might be witnesses for Jesus Christ? That part of the reason why He has given us the Holy Spirit is that we are called and empowered to be witnesses and that the Holy Spirit is in our lives to give us the power not just to live righteously, not just to, to have an idea of what He's saying, not just to help us understand Scripture. All of that is true. But we have the power of the Holy Spirit so that we might be witnesses for Jesus Christ. That He's calling them to be witnesses. And that, that the, the, the need that they have is for the Holy Spirit in their lives to empower them. Not just for, for good living, not just for how we want to be, but it's right there in verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And I think sometimes, I don't know about you, but I forget that we've got the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses. Yeah, whenever you're thinking, I mean, just think about the different times when you might feel a nudge to share your faith or to try to, to just interject the idea of God into somebody's life. We don't even have to talk about, you know, sharing your faith or your testimony. We're just talking maybe just to say, you know, there is a God and he, and he, he might have something to say about your life. But we get timid. We get nervous. What are they going to think about me? What are they going to say about me? Maybe they won't like me anymore. We forget that we have power for this very purpose. That, that we have His guidance and His leading to, to give us the things to say. To give us the actions to take. Sometimes we just try to do it on our own without the Holy Spirit. We forget that we have His guidance, His empowerment, so that we could be witnesses. And now being a witness, that, that goes in a lot of different ways. I think, you know, what, what is to be a witness in its bearer is just to, to, to give testimony to what you have seen. Or as we have in courts, expert witnesses, to give your testimony about what you know. Right? That's, that's a witness. 
We don't ask for a witness to bring a verdict. We don't ask a witness to make an argument. Now, there might be times when some people make arguments. We call them apologists. You know, they, they give an, an answer for their faith, they give a reason. And we look at that and we say, well, I can't do that. Well, you haven't been called to. All we're called to do is to be witnesses. Sometimes being a witness means to to take the good news, to to evangelize, to actively walk up to somebody and to confront them and to say, I want you to know about Jesus Christ. I think you need to know about him because of these things I see. But think about what it means to be a witness. Anybody have houses around your house? Anybody have neighbors? Go ahead. Anybody? Neighbors? Some of you don't have neighbors. Okay. You're a witness. Anybody have coworkers, people around you? You're a witness. Anybody have family? Ugh. Sometimes I don't like the witness I am at home. Everywhere we go, we have the opportunity for people to see our faith. You don't even have to say anything. We do need to say things, but we don't have to say things to be a witness. People will see it in how we interact with one another. People will see it in how we live, for good or bad. You know, sometimes uh, we, we have neighbors, she said, you know, it kind of makes me feel better when I hear you guys yelling at your kids, it, you know, because she, she thinks, well, you're not so holy and things aren't so out of reach. No, we're, we're sinners too. Sometimes our sinful kids need to be spoken to at a higher volume than we would like to. Yeah, sometimes it's sin on our parts. What do we do with it? That's part of our witness. The good and the bad, honestly, is part of our witness. And He has given us the Holy Spirit to be that witness. The good stuff that we do can... can uh, Speak to His glory. The, the bad stuff that we do when we forgive one another, when we ask for forgiveness, when we acknowledge, yeah, we're sinners, it can be for His glory. Because we're not witnesses about how great we are. We're witnesses about how great He is. And this work of being witnesses, when He said to you, the power, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and, and you will receive power. This, this call to be a witness is something that the disciples have been doing from the very beginning of being with Jesus. In, in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus summoned, uh, in verse 1 we're told, Jesus summoned His twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. So He, he calls them and He gives them authority. Not quite the same word as power, but uh, He empowers them to do certain things. He gives them authority over the, 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 de- the spirits and the diseases and sickness. And then in, in verses 2 through 4, we get all the names of the disciples. And then in verse 5, we're told, These twelve Jesus sent out after instructing them Do not go in the way of the Gentiles. Do not enter any city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So so he gave them very limited instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles. Don't go to the Samaritans. In in Acts chapter 1, go to the Israelites, go to the Samaritans, go to the Gentiles. Here he gave them limited instructions, but notice what he said. He empowered them, 
And he gave them a message. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is the the job that they have been doing since they were first called as apostles. And now he is giving them guidance and instructing them, saying, this is what you're going to continue to do. Not only that, though, this this statement that he has given them, this, this sermon, you might say, that they are to preach, to proclaim, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's, a, it's, it's what Jesus did when He began. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, From that time Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He gave them the same message that He had been giving. And for us as, as witnesses of God, witnesses for Jesus and His ministry and what He has done in our lives, uh, it's very much the act of a disciple. Remember, to be a disciple is to follow. And so we are His disciples if we follow Him, if we live like He lived, if we try to take on and, and live out His values, if we listen to His teaching, if we go where He goes. Well, being a witness is very much in part of being a disciple because being a witness is a continuation of Jesus' ministry. Jesus' ministry was to call people to repent, to call people to the kingdom of God. Throughout three years, He was calling them and showing them this is the way of God. This is the kingdom of God. How often does He say the kingdom of God can be uh, likened to? The kingdom of God is like this. Now the culmination of his ministry was to go to the cross to give us the opportunity and the path to enter into the kingdom of God through faith. But his ministry was constantly calling people to himself. What is our ministry? But to call people to Jesus. Just as as he was calling them to him, and that was his ministry, we can be witnesses to call people to Him, and in so doing, continue His ministry, to be disciples, to follow Him. That that is a big part of what we are supposed to be doing. Calling people to follow Jesus. One of the struggles, though, is we kind of, if I may say so, and I'll speak for myself as much as anybody, it's not fun all the time. It's nerve-wracking. It's scary. It, it, it means talking to people I don't know sometimes. It means putting my life on display that they would know I'm a believer. And that because I'm a believer, I'm not going to do certain things. And then what do they do? They sit around looking to see if you're going to do those things. They want to catch you. So much easier to stay in the fortress of the church and to talk about things instead of getting out and being a witness. And, and that's some of what the disciples' issue is as well. In verse 6 of chapter 1, remember they had, they had come together, they were asking Him, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? Are you restoring the kingdom to Israel? And, and what is His answer? It is not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by His own authority. It's not for you to know when I'm restoring the kingdom. It's not for you to know when I come back. He even told them, I don't know. The the, the son doesn't even know when he's coming back. Only the father knows. 
You need to be ready. And yet, how many people, Christians, spend a a, a healthy portion of their time thinking about and discussing and trying to find everything they can about when is Jesus coming back? What will it look like when Jesus comes back? Who is the Antichrist? Can I discover who the Antichrist is? What does 666 mean? What is the mark of the beast? How will I know? You know those strange things that got a stinger on one end and a stinger on the other end? Maybe those are attack helicopters. And that's what John saw in Revelation. But he didn't know the language, so he just called them this. There are churches devoted to endless discussion and making sure everybody agrees I loved it. One Wednesday night, where I don't even—I th- don't know if it was in Hebrews. I think we were talking about Hebrews. We had, and, and some of you won't know these terms, but we had mid-tribulation, post-tribulation, and mid-tribulation viewpoints all put forward. And I thought, on one hand, this is awesome, and on the other hand, I was terrified that we were going to devolve into an argument of whose position was right, instead of what was awesome was we've got these different views and we're all here together. Isn't this awesome? Mid-trib, pre-trib, post-trib is all about when do you think the rapture is going to happen, just so you know. Some people believe that the rapture is going to happen prior to the tribulation. Some believe it's going to happen halfway through. And some believe it's going to happen at the end. And then there are those people who don't think it's going to happen at all. Uh, But we're not going to talk about those people. And there are churches that spend a lot of their time discussing those things. And let me tell you something. It will not matter in your life which one is right. You cannot, by being right today, alter anything of the future with that kind of knowledge. We need to avoid distractions to our witness. And things like that, things like theology... Theology is a good thing. I spent a lot of money getting my theology down. I spent a lot of my time thinking about my theology. Theology is an important thing. Don't get me wrong. But if the theology that we have, and theology means to study God, just like biology is to study living things, if our theology keeps us from being a witness, we're still a witness. We're just a very poor witness to the grace and the glory of God. If, if, if you have no knowledge and no way of explaining why you follow Jesus, but you can just say He has changed my life, and you actually tell other people that, you are doing more for the kingdom of God than the greatest theologians with all their books that nobody wants to read because they are too dry. What is important is are we being a witness? Are we showing people Jesus Christ and how we live? Are we showing them His ways? And, and, and too often, we as a church, and I speak of myself here, I would much rather sit around discussing theological things that will not change my life today that I won't find out until the end if I'm right or not. So much more fun because there's nothing... It, it doesn't matter. It's like playing Monopoly. By the end of it, you're still... You're still just as poor or just as rich as you were when you began. It was just play money. But to be a witness is to deal in the real. And and obviously I think our theology helps us and guides us in how we are 
a witness and theology is good. But not if it keeps us from being a witness. That's, that's, the, that's the hair I'm trying to split. So often we want to do all these other things. And, and Paul tells us in the book of Titus that we need to avoid distractions to our witness. He tells us in, in Titus chapter 3, verse 9, he says, avoid foolish controversies, genealogies and strife and disputes about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Now, the things that we're discussing might not be unprofitable or worthless. The disputes, the foolish controversies over those things are unprofitable and worthless. Then he says to us in verse 10, reject a factious man. You can put a woman there if you like. Reject a factious person. It's not just limited to men. Women can be factious too. Reject a factious man after a first and second warning knowing that such a man is perverted and is sinning, being self-condemned. And there are a lot of these kind of people on the internet. Oh my. Want to tear down every single preacher or pastor or, or person who, who, who has a public ministry because they said something wrong at one point or they said something that wasn't in keeping with this one particular basement dweller's theology. Not worth our time. Not worth our energy. A lot of these things have no effect on our salvation or our faith. Now, I'm not saying we turn a blind eye to somebody that says, well, Jesus had sin. That's a biggie. We need to correct that as a witness. No, Jesus was perfect. But there are some things that we just need to let go sometimes. Don't let it be a distraction. The disciples were focused on when are you, when are you coming back? When are you going to set up your kingdom? And, and he says, these aren't the things you need to be worried about. You know, we can do the same thing. We can wonder, what's God doing? When's God doing it? What's God doing in, in America today? I don't know. You don't know. What's our purpose? To be a witness. To be a witness for him. He's, he can take care of the chessboard. All we got to worry about is our square. And I don't know why I've been put over here. But he knows. And maybe he's got a plan. What i got to worry about, what you need to worry about, is being a witness to him where we stand. What do we need to do to glorify him where we are? And truly, it's, it's what do we need to do to glorify him? Not just where we are, but when we are. It's not something that, that is only for a period of our life. Think of wherever you are today and how can you be a witness today and then think about 10 years from now. Things will have changed in 10 years. You can look back in 5 years. If you look forward and you're not sure about those 10 years, look back in 10 years and see how are things different than I was then. Being a witness isn't just something for school kids to do while they're at school or for young adults to do in business or for us to do with our kids. When he, when he left in the cloud in Acts chapter 1, all the disciples were looking for him and they're wondering about when's he coming back, when's this going to happen, when's that going to happen. And as they're looking up in the clouds, two men in white clothing stood beside them. And in verse 11, these men speak to them and they also said, men of Galilee... Why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven 
will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Someday he's going to come back. And I, I bet you those disciples were thinking, I can't wait to be here when he comes back. And it, it came as quite a blow to them when they died. In fact, that's one of the things that we see John working with and Paul working with near the end of their lives is everybody kind of thought Jesus was coming back within the first generation. He didn't come back. What happens? And over 2,000 years later, he still hasn't come back yet. What do we do? Well, I, there's a song. I, I love the lines. It's, I know whom I have believed in. And the very last verse, verse 4, says, I don't know when my Lord will come at night or noonday fair or if I'll walk the veil with him or meet him in the air. Meet him in the air is talking about the rapture. Walk the veil with him is talking about death. You can make an argument that Jesus has come back many times. Every time a, a believer dies, I don't know how, and I don't, I'm not going to get into endless arguments about it. My firm belief is that whether we just all eventually find ourselves in the future, uh, at the great throne and the, and the rapture, I don't know. Whether there's a soul sleep, I don't know. If I have the ability to tell you when I experience it, I'll let you know. But I firmly believe that we will be with him because that's what he told us. Whether we live or die, we are with the Lord. And so that's where that line, whether I walk the veil with him, that when we die, I believe, we come to see the Lord. That's what they're talking about when, he, when they see him. Until you see him, we have a job. We have a job to be witnesses. Our, our witness on this earth, our witness stands until we are reunited with Jesus. Whether we're reunited with him in, 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 in the sky, when the, when the last trumpet sounds and, and we're raptured to him, or if we're reunited to him, with him when we take our last breath. But until that time, not knowing the epics and the times of God, not knowing what his work is necessarily, not, not being too focused on that, each of us gets to ask a question every day. How am I a witness to God, for God, today? How am I a witness about what he has done in my life and my hope in him? And, and that witness that witness can, can go places where you don't want it to go. I remember visiting with uh, Roy Trotter, senior, not Bebo, in, in, a, in, a, in a facility, and, and he was just, every breath was a struggle. Every breath was a rasp, and it felt painful, and I just remember asking God, why is he still here? Why haven't you taken him home yet? 
Those times and epics are not our discussion, are they? They're not our, they're not our thing to worry about. The question was, was he being a witness? Was I being a witness? Was his family being a witness? Were we being witnesses to the people, even though it was in a room and it was shut out from the world, but there were, there were nurses, there were orderlies, there were people who were there. If nothing else, we are witnesses to the angelic realm of our hope and our faith in Jesus Christ. Your witness may be powerful today because you have many people to, to give a witness to, to show on sports teams or at school and class at work. Your witness may feel very small because you're homebound for the most part and you, very few people see you, but your interactions, even with your neighbors, can be a witness. And remember, this is, this is Jesus who when he did miraculous things, told people not to go tell others. I have, a, I have a suspicion that the testimony that Jesus cares about more isn't the Billy Graham-style crusades. He uses those. But I think, based on the way that Jesus talks through Scripture, the witness that he cares about most is that witness when you're 80 or 85 and everything has been stripped away and you still smile. Through the pain, through the loss, through the sorrow, you still smile and thank God for his grace in your life. That's the testimony that I think the angels celebrate. We can be a witness in every aspect and era of our lives. And the question for us today is how are we being witnesses? Are we being witnesses for the good of God? Or are we kind of being a witness that maybe he doesn't want to claim? There are people who are around you that are watching you. Whether they recognize that they're watching you, they notice how you live. They notice if you're just like everybody else or if there's something different. Maybe sometimes they'll even hear it from you as you share it with them. Don't be afraid. God has given you the Holy Spirit to empower you to help you be a witness throughout every one of life's circumstances and ages until he calls you home or until he comes home. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we pray, Lord, that we would give a good testimony to what you have done in our lives for those around us. Lord, we thank You that You have given us Your Son and that He died on the cross for our sins. We pray, Lord, that we wouldn't just take it and keep it to ourselves, but Lord, that it would be such a joy that we would want to share it with those around us. Lord, I pray that, that as we think of how we live and the decisions we make, the actions we take, 
Lord, we wouldn't just be thinking about what's expedient or, or how the world does things, but that we would do it the way you do it, even if it costs us. May we give testimony to our faith in you, to our joy in being your children. Lord, we pray today. Some of us, we, we feel burdened with how many people are around us that we could give witness to, but some, some feel like we have no witness left. Help us each to recognize that you are working in our lives, that you have a, a, a purpose for where you have placed us. And we pray, Lord, that we would seek to represent you well. We ask and pray these things today in Jesus' name. Amen.